10. Acts 10. And um, I'm going to read from, I guess, 23 to 48. And then I'll, I'll say what we're going to do hopefully today, at least what I desire to do. Um, hear the holy word of God. And on the next day, he, Peter, got up and went away with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa accompanied him. On the following day, he entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and he called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet and worshipped him. Peter raised him up, saying, Stand up, I too am just a man. As he talked with him, he entered and found many people assembled. And he said to them, You yourselves know how unlawful it is for a man who is a Jew to associate with a foreigner or to visit him. And yet God has shown me that I should not call any man unholy or unclean. That is why I came without even raising any objection when I was sent for. So I asked, For what reason you have sent me? Cornelius said, Four days ago to this hour I was praying in my house during the ninth hour, and behold, a man stood before me in shining garments. He said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms have been remembered before God. Therefore send to Joppa and write Simon, who is called Peter, to come to you. He's staying at the house of Simon the Tanner by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and you've been kind enough to come. Now then, we are all here present before God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. Opening his mouth, Peter said, I most certainly understand now that God is not one to show partiality, but in every nation the man who fears him and does what is right is welcome to him. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace, peace through Jesus Christ, he's Lord of all. You yourselves know the thing which took place throughout all Judea, starting from Galilee, after the baptism which John proclaimed. You know the Lord Jesus Christ, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power, how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses of all these things. He did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They also put him to death by hanging him on a cross. God raised him up on the third day and granted that he become visible, not to all people, but to witnesses who were chosen beforehand by, by God. That is, to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. Of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of their sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who were listening to the message. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. They were hearing them speak with tongues and exalting God. And Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who receive the Holy Spirit just as we did, can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked him to stay on for a few days. Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, we do pray that you would receive glory and honor and praise and you would build up your your church, your people. Thank you for this word. I pray that you would have mercy upon me and that you would guide me, thou my great Jehovah, and I would preach the words of scripture and for all of us that we would have the requisite eyes and ears and heart of faith and we would receive your word by faith and we would love it and cherish it in our hearts and it would change us and we would labor to practice it in our lives. Um, we thank you, Almighty God, that you so, so love the world that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe in you, Jesus Christ, would not perish in hell, but have everlasting life. We thank you for this. Uh, we believe, Lord. Uh, help thou our unbelief. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
I have a particular purpose in mind for this passage. It's a, a massive passage I chose. I, I, for sure, I'm not going to touch on everything that's here. So I'm kind of looking at a particular truth that we find in this passage. What, what we're seeing generally, at least 34 to almost the end, is we're looking at the Apostle Peter preaching to the household of Cornelius. Cornelius is a Roman centurion, and um, he calls his family, he calls his friends in, they're in his particular home, Peter comes and he is uh, preaching. I've entitled this particular sermon, uh, Preaching Christ, because that's what we see Peter doing. And so my desire is to unpack what it means to say that Peter, or preachers, preach Christ. I recommend to your reading 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul says, I don't want to know anything except Christ crucified. Does Paul preach other things other than the crucifixion of Christ? Certainly, but Christ crucified is used in a figurative way to teach everything that he can find in that Bible, or as he's inspired by God, to point people to Jesus. He says something Paul says something similar in the book of Galatians, chapter 6. He says, through the cross of Christ, the whole world has been crucified to me. I only glory glory in the cross. Well, that's what Peter is doing. Peter is preaching Jesus. And in that, obviously, he's preaching. Well, when we get to the content of what it means to preach Christ, I'll just forecast this in case I run out of time. He's going to preach the life of Christ, the ministry of Christ. Christ is a public uh, representative ushered in by the baptism of John. Then he touches on the death of Jesus, so the substitutionary atonement. Then he talks about the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It's very significant. Um, it's in fulfillment of scripture. And then he talks about the judgment of the Lord Jesus Christ on judgment day, which is kind of the frightening part of preaching Jesus. There is a judgment day. As our br- brother mentioned, we will all die. We don't know when we're going to die. Um, But after death comes the judgment, not the judgment day. Uh, Judgment day is one particular day when the dead in Christ will rise and those who have died apart from Christ will be given bodies and we're going to stand before the judge. And that's, that's in the preaching of Christ is the judgment of Christ on judgment day um, against sinners. And for those who believe in Jesus, our sins are forgiven us. That's the content of what it means to preach Christ. And I want to look at all of those things as we begin to look at the pre... If we're looking at what it means to preach Christ, we learn those things as we start to look at the preacher of Christ. And in this case, it's the Apostle Peter. So I want to look at the nature of a preacher. And we're just going to... We're, again, this is kind of a thematic sermon pulled out from this particular passage. So Peter is a preacher. Peter, Peter didn't start off his life as a, a preacher of Jesus. Prior to this, uh, the Apostle Peter was not the Apostle Peter. Uh, he was a fisherman. And so, and then before a man, Peter, can preach the Lord Jesus Christ, he, he needs to become a believer in the Lord Jesus. I know this is very simple. So we're going to see that the preacher of the Lord Jesus Christ, first and foremost, is a believer in Jesus. He's a saved man preaching. He may be preaching to other saved people, or to unsaved people, that Jesus is the Savior. But he knows that Jesus is the Savior. So prior to becoming a preacher of Jesus, one becomes a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
we've often said this kind of in common thinking. Some of us have had folks or grandparents, let, let's say folks, where we get older and then we, we start to consider our parents and say, I wonder why my mom and my dad never did thus and so for me. Um, sometimes, beloved, it's because they didn't have it. They did not have that gift to give to you. They didn't have the ability. I wish my mom was more warm and my dad was more loving, or whatever it may be. Perhaps they didn't have it to give away. And so when we consider that whole idea of, of, of a believer, believing in Christ and then preaching Jesus, you can't give away a Christ that you don't know. Unbelievers don't make effective preachers of Christ because they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says in John chapter 3, you must be born, what? Again. Remember, Jesus is teaching a teacher, and he says, and, and the teacher Nicodemus says, I don't understand how this works. And Jesus says, you're a teacher in Israel, and you don't understand what it means to be born again? Where, where should the teacher of Israel, should have, he had gone in the Bible, Old Testament, to understand you must be born again? Ezekiel 36 Ezekiel 36, the taking out of the heart of stone, giving the heart of the flesh, giving a new spirit. Ezekiel 36 is the Old Testament counterpart of John 3, 1 through 9. You must be born again. You must believe in Jesus Christ in order to preach or teach Jesus. So we see that with the Apostle Peter. And if I could say by way of of application, Sometimes as Christians, we look outside of the Christian church and say, look yonder at all those bad people. Aren't those bad people out there bad people? The worst kind of a person is not outside of the church. (laughs) The worst kind of the person is inside of the church, unconverted. The worst, worst kind of a person is inside of the church, in the pulpit, unconverted. An unconverted minister, a minister that doesn't know Jesus savingly, is the worst instrument in the devil's hand. He's the worst. He's the worst. And and, and why do I say he's the worst? Because he is putting himself forward as a guide to tell people how to go to heaven, but he doesn't know how to go to heaven, to tell people about God, but if he doesn't know Christ, he doesn't know God. And where do blind people lead other blind people? So says Jesus, into a ditch. So here we have Peter becomes a believer and then he becomes a preacher. Beloved, I'm going to say, it's not just the unconverted that minister that does damage, telling people I can show you how to go to heaven, but he can't show you how to go to heaven. It's unbelieving formalists in the church. People say, I do have Jesus. I do believe in Jesus, but they don't. Beloved, God has much to say about formalism. He hates formalism. So a true preacher of the Lord Jesus Christ must know and love him in order to preach him effectively. The second thing that we learn about a a preacher is how did the Apostle Peter come to know this Jesus that he's preaching to Cornelius in his household? How did how did Peter come to know Jesus savingly? How did it occur? It somewhat alluded to it in our secondary standards um, in chapter 10, 1 and 2 of our confession. H- how did he meet Jesus and so on? Well, if you know your Bible, um, how Peter came to meet and know Jesus savingly is Peter's brother, Andrew, also a fisherman, found the Lord Jesus Christ 
first. And then after he found the Lord Jesus Christ, he took um, Peter, his brother, to Jesus Christ. Now, I just want to stop here. We're talking about the business of preaching Christ, how this all occurs. And in this case, he's a preacher, preacher. But before he's a preacher, preacher, we have one brother that finds Jesus savingly, Andrew. What's the very first thing that rises up in his bosom? I'm going to go tell my brother. He doesn't go to theology class. He doesn't go to church class. He doesn't have people teach him how to do this. He just does it as the reflex of faith, finding the way, the truth, and the life. The very first thing that rises up in the bosom of a believer is, I need to tell other people about this Jesus. It's not something conjured up. It's something that flows out of a true born-again nature, a true born-again heart. Beware, beloved, of people say, yeah, yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I, you know what? I never tell anybody about Jesus. I never even want to tell people about Jesus. You found the Lord of glory. You're forgiven all of, all, all of your sins. You, you have union and communion with the triune God of heaven and earth. And you don't want to give him away? Not to your son, not to your daughter, not to your grandkids, not to your wife, not to your husband, not to your mom, not to your dad. And if you don't have Jesus, where do you go? You Judgment day. If Beloved, if we had the cure for cancer and our son was sitting next to us with cancer, what would the first thing we do? I have the cure. That's exactly what happens with Andrew. He goes running to Peter and says, I found him. I found the Christ. Now, with Andrew, by the time period that I'm talking about, remember that in the Bible, Andrew is already a disciple of John the Baptist. You remember what John the Baptist's ministry was? And we're just talking about the business of preaching Christ. Think of John the Baptist. He's a strange-looking fellow. He wears a, a woolet, well, an animal skin a coat, camel skin coat, and he's eating what for diet? I think he's eating uh, honey and bugs. And he's out in the wilderness. This guy would not be the pastor of a megachurch, I guarantee you. So he looks crazy. He's, he has a camel skin coat, which means he doesn't make a lot of money. He's eating bugs and honey. Also means he doesn't make a lot of money. And what's the content of, of John's sermon? We're just looking at preaching Jesus. John the Baptist preaches what? It begins with repent and ends with repent. <laughs> repent. Repent. When Peter gets to the, the house of Cornelius and he starts talking about judgment day and the forgiveness of sins, it brings with it that idea of repentance. You say the repent word, you are going to call your audience way down. We're here to learn how to have good finances and a good family and my best life now. We don't want to hear about this repentance of sin craziness. John the Baptist says, you brood of what? Vipers. Are you serious? He would get an F in his homiletics class. You'd, you'd be kicked out of seminary and you would never get a job as a minister. You're going to call people sinners? That's what he does. And right after saying, repent of your sins, he does something else. This, again, is all in the preaching of Jesus. He says, produce fruit keeping with repentance. Boy, howdy. What does that mean? Yes, I have turned from my sins. I hate my sins. And now John comes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and says, now prove it. Let go of them. Turn from your sins. And then what? Turn to Jesus. That's John's ministry which Andrew sat under. 
John's ministry, the whole ministry of John the Baptist, which is the ministry of the Apostle Peter, which is my ministry, is to point people to Jesus as their sin bearer. John is the fulfillment, the Baptist, of Isaiah chapter 41, 40. Excuse me. He's the voice of one crying in the wilderness, preparing the way for the Lord. Here he is. I was raised a Roman Catholic and right outside of Boston. And in the Roman Catholic Church, we would say every week, Behold the Lamb of God, finish the next sentence, who taketh away the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb of God, who taketh away the sins of the world. That's John 1. That's John the Baptist looking at Jesus going, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. John's whole ministry is to call people to be, repent of their sins and look to Jesus Christ as their sin bearer. That's what it means to preach Christ. John was a Christ preacher. And remember, the Pharisees came to John. Andrew knew all this. And they said to John the Baptist, are you the Christ? You know, there are earthly ministers right now that if you would say to them, are you the one? Are you the Christ? No, the the church I just mentioned, the church of my youth. What's the word vicarious mean? They call the Pope the vicar of Christ. What does that mean? He's the vicarious one of Christ upon the earth. I won't get myself crazy with that. But there, are, there would be guys who go, yeah, it's all about me. Yeah, it's not about Jesus. It's all about me. And what did John the Baptist, the preacher of Christ, say? I'm not the Christ. What are you? I'm just the preacher of Christ. I must decrease and he must increase. That's a preacher. The preacher's whole job is to point people, not to self, not to church. I love the church. I believe I can teach on a class on the church. But it's not to the minister. It's not to the church. It's not to the sacraments. It's to the Christ of the word. Him, 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 him. That's why I referenced 1 Corinthians chapter 2 to, and Galatians chapter 6. Paul says, I only want to make Jesus Christ known. That's why I live. I live to make Jesus known to others. I found him. God supernaturally. For Andrew, Andrew, he's a a devotee. He's a disciple of, of John the Baptist. And he comes to hear the Christ is coming. And then he meets Jesus. And then providentially, when he meets Jesus, he runs and brings his brother to Jesus Christ. And God supernaturally opens the apostle uh, Peter's eyes, this is Matthew 16, 16, 17. My Father in heaven showed you that I am the Son of the living God. I'm the Messiah. And, and he confesses faith. So, so he, here we're looking at a preacher as a saved man. And why I reference all of this business of John the Baptist and, and Andrew and all of these things, as Peter, the preacher, preaching Jesus, not only is a saved man, this is probably not even correct English. He's a preached to man. He, he is a beneficiary of the preaching of, of Jesus Christ. We believe election as Presbyterians because we think the Bible teaches it. And we believe the doctrine of regeneration. I just referenced it, John 3, 1 through 9. Being born again. But we don't deny the use of God's means, that God converts us through the ministry of the word. And God supernaturally uses the ministry of the law, the ministry of the gospel, to convert us, 
to cause us to repent of our sins and to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He uses means. So if you're thinking, well, Calvinists, don't you all just think you just walk around, be elect, and you're good to go? If you believe that and you're a Calvinist, you're wrong. That's called hyper-Calvinism. We do not believe that. I do not believe that. It's not be elect and go to heaven. What is it? Believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. And if you do, you're elect. So how Peter comes to know the Christ he preaches is he's the beneficiary of preaching. Faith comes by hearing. Romans 10, right? Faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the word of what? Christ. How will they hear Christ unless someone comes to them? The preacher. The way this man knows Jesus and then preaches Jesus, he's a beneficiary of preaching. This is important. I used to sell life insurance a long time ago. I could only sell life insurance to my cousin, and then I had to go drive a truck. I couldn't sell anything. But, but it, they used to say to us as life insurance men, you better buy a policy. Because the first thing that the people that you're trying to sell a policy is, do you own a policy? Actually, no, I don't really believe in life insurance, but you should believe in life insurance. Here is a man, Peter the preacher, who himself has benefited from preaching. And so he's being told, go tell people that Jesus is the Christ. Repent of their sins, believe in him, and be forgiven. There was a story, I don't know if it's apocryphal or not, there was a minister that went to Spurgeon and was talking about the paucity of numbers, means littleness, and his ministry was, he thought it was dying. And so Spurgeon said, well, you don't really believe, like, telling people to repent of their sins and believe in Jesus is really going to work, do you? And the minister said, no, I guess I don't. And Spurgeon said, that's why you have your problem. You don't believe. So he's a saved man, but he's a man who's benefited from preaching. And therefore, when he stands before people and he says, here he is, he himself is living testimony of the efficacy of preaching. Now, just looking at the business of Peter being a preacher of the Lord Jesus Christ, we call him the Apostle Peter. It's not my intention to enter into a full discussion on apostleship. The word apostle means one who is sent or a sent one. I think it's a compound word in Greek. Um, it means sent one. And so when we look at him, we have to ask the question, sent by whom and sent for what? For Peter. We've just mentioned it. Peter's called uh, by Christ, and then he's sent out by the Lord Jesus. It's that sending out that gives him the, the title of apostle. And for my purposes here today, there are other guys in the Bible not referenced, referenced as apostles who aren't the 12 apostles, but I, I put that aside. For our purpose, that sent one, that being an apostle, is Christ's commissioning of Peter to be an official preacher of Christ. Some of you all are, are in the military or have been in the military. I've never been in the military. I know I'm in the minority. I watched my son get commissioned. I've watched tons of Navy guys, my son's army. I've watched tons of Navy guys, uh, um, a couple Air Force and uh, Marines get commissioned. This is serious business. So some entity, in which case the state, is, is, com is get conveying authority for a particular office and a particular function to go do that. You are commissioned as an officer of the Marines, the Navy, such and so. And now go out and do the work. That's Peter. Peter is an officially commissioned, Christ-sent, Christ-authorized Christ preacher. 
by Jesus. So when he comes in the name of Jesus, he's Jesus' ambassador. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, we are Christ's ambassadors. Let's say another country were to kill one of our ambassadors. You're fixing to have a war. Because that's like attacking the country. It's attacking the head of the country. It's like that. So when he comes, he's Christ's man. And in the preaching, he is this apostle, this sent one. I wonder, most of us know um, the, the, the Great Commission, Matthew chapter 28. I want to get the, at it the idea, so he's a, this preacher of Christ is a saved man, he's a preached to man, he's an instructed man, but he's also a sent man. I want to get at the idea of authority. Um, everyone's anti-authority. Everyone is. I am, you are. So it, we have, as Christians, we have a regenerate nature, born again, and then we still carry the flesh. That fleshly part of us, we do not want to sit under the authority of anybody. Not, not wives to husbands, not husbands, you know, submit to one another. We don't. Every man wants to do what's right in their own eyes. That's true. Am I right with that? So as soon as you hear, like, authority, um, we're gone. That means, like, there's someone over me, and that means I'm un- under that person. Bingo. Bingo. I was raised in a traditionalist home, and there was no question the authority structure in my home. There was not any question. My dad was a city guy. My dad was the authority. Under him, mom, and under my mother and my father, we were like in Mariana's trench. We had no th- authority. So it was parents and then us, authority subordinates. When Peter comes and says, hi, I'm the apostle, it's like saying, I have the authority of Jesus. It's going to help us in the preaching idea and in the reception of preaching. So in Peter's preaching, John's preaching, nowadays in churches, we just kind of want like a chat. Like you sit on a bar stool, he has a Hawaiian shirt, and you have a chat like, hey, what do you all think? And I think this, and what do you all think? And you share a little truth, and I share a little truth, and I don't really know what I'm doing. You don't know what you're doing, but let's share. That is not... He's a herald. He's a Christ-sent, Christ-commissioned herald. So he stands up in the city square and says, hear ye, hear ye. I am the king's man, and here's the king's word. Repent of your sins and believe in Jesus and be saved. So this is not a fireside chat. I'm not against fireside chats. But this isn't a fireside chat. Remember the Great Commission? Jesus came up and spoke to them, apostles, saying, all authority, that's that authority, oof, authority word, has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. The Great Commission is a command of apostles extraordinary church officers, and I would say for another study or sermon, ordinary church officers, but command. So Christ has all authority, and he sends his men out with his authority. And so the Apostle Peter is an authoritative man. This is the authoritative preaching of Jesus by a servant of Jesus. It's very, it's very, very significant. Not only do we live in an anti-authority age, which happened from Genesis chapter 3, 1 through 8, America, I, I, I only know America, we have that, what is the rugged individualism, which I think is gone, but I digress from that. But, but a perversion of that is everybody is as right as everybody else. That's wrong. 
Everybody in the church doesn't hold the same position. Everybody in Jesus Christ is equally loved. But the Bible says, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, that God places individual believers within the body where he wants them. Not all of us have the same gifts. Not all of us have the same function in the church. The apostle Peter is a leader. I hate to say it that way. He's a leader. He has authority. He's the preacher. And God will call us to listen to him. And so as we consider that, as, as, as this sent preacher, Peter is being commissioned to preach Jesus. Sometimes we hear this. Well, you don't want to run around and like tell people about Jesus. You have to wait till they ask you. And if they ask you, maybe you could share. But you really shouldn't. We sang Aquinas. Uh, you know, um, who did we sing? Oh, it'll come to me. Um, who, who did we sing? Assisi, Francis Assisi. So Francis Assisi has a quote. He has a beautiful hymn, but then he has a silly quote. He says, um, at all times preach the gospel, but when necessary, you know, the word, use words. That is stupid. That is wrong. He had a beautiful hymn that we just sang it. Awesome hymn. That, at all times preach the gospel, when necessary, use words. You see what he's getting at. Your actions show the gospel. The, the gospel is the words about Jesus. His life, his death, his resurrection, his judgment. That's what the Bible says. You can love your wife. You can love your kids. You can help the sisters of mercy. You, you can pay five bucks to, to, the, to the drunk tank. You can do all of these things. That's not preaching Christ. That's preaching what you do, maybe in response to Jesus, but it's not preaching Christ. And so here the Apostle Paul comes preaching Jesus, and he has to. That's my point. So if you, if you say, well, I, God has given me uh, gifts to be a bricklayer, then lay your bricks as unto the Lord. If you're a cop, be a cop as unto the Lord. But he's not a cop. He's not a bricklayer. What is he? He's a preacher. Apostle Paul says, I have to preach. I am compelled to preach. This guy is a walking, talking teacher, preacher of Jesus. If you're a bricklayer, how you glorify God in Christ is you lay the best bricks you can. But how the preacher brings glory to God is by being the most faithful preacher of Christ he can. Does that make sense? So when you're looking on... Why does that guy do what he has? Why is he doing that? Because God has commissioned him. Because God has commissioned him. He may not, he doesn't give everybody that commission, but he gives this man. And when we think about the authority of the Apostle Peter coming in the name of Jesus, I want to read a couple of places what Jesus says about listening to those that he sends out. This is, I think, instructive for us. Luke 10, 16. Ready? The one who listens to you, apostles, Jesus says, listens to me. The one who rejects you, apostles, rejects me. He who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. John 15, 20. Remember the word that I said to you. A slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep your word. Here's some application to this. When the Apostle Peter comes, and he's under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and Cornelius does it this way, Cornelius says, we are here to hear from God. 
Well, he's Peter. Peter just said, I'm just a man. But he is a man on a mission. He's on an authoritative mission. And so Cornelius is going to receive Peter's words as if God was speaking through Peter. Is that right? That is right. You hear people say, well, I didn't get anything out of preaching and blah, 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 blah. I didn't get anything. He's a bum. He can't preach his way out of a paper bag. And maybe that's all true. But there's another reason why you maybe didn't get anything out of preaching. You came not wanting to get anything from the word of God. The preacher is required to be active in his preaching. But the recipient is required to receive the word of God as a man or a woman under authority. By faith. Speak, Lord, for your servant listens. It's not a small thing. It is not a small thing. We do it all the time. That's just your... The preacher says, uh, by the way, husbands love your wife as Christ loves the church. The Bible says that. And the person who doesn't want to love his wife as Christ loves the church is going like that. That's just you, Pastor John. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm married to a shrew. You have no idea what you're talking about. Actually, I do know what I'm talking about. And I can read. And you're not blowing off my word. You're blowing off God's word. And the way to benefit by the preaching of the authoritative word of God by the minister is to receive it by faith. Does that make sense? So he's required to carry out his commission, but we're required to submit to the preaching of God's man. Am I saying I'm an apostle? No, I'm not. Now, the definition of preaching. Uh, Preaching has a bad rap. Sometimes when we talk about preaching, we think preachy, preachy. I'm against preachy, preachy. Like your friend is going through a hard time and the response is, you know, first hesitation, 6-9, I'm going out for Italian food and preachy, preachy. Well, that's not very loving. You just seem like you're just kind of condescending and you're just like, yeah, just read the Bible and everything. I got to go. Preachy. You know what I mean, preachy, preachy. Preachy, preachy is obnoxious. If you don't have anything good to say, just be quiet. <laughs> don't preach it, people, that way. But preaching as a truth is not wrong. There are two words in Greek, main words in Greek. I, I know baby Greek. I know enough to look at a lexicon. Euangelizo means to give the good news, the good tiding. And what good news is this preacher giving to the world? Good news. Jesus saves sinners. There is no better news than that. Even a cure for cancer. You look in the Bible, Jesus, Jesus took a kid that died, the, the widow's son from Nain, Raised him for, Jesus raised a guy, Lazarus, from the dead who was rotting for four days. Is that awesome? That's awesome. I'd, I had a dream about my mother the other day. She died a year ago. And I woke up and I told my mother, my wife, hey, I just had a dream about my mom. I would love to have my mother back. I would love it. But is that the greatest thing to be raised physically from the dead? It's not the greatest thing. The greatest good news is that sinners can be forgiven of their sins by God. To be reconciled to God as his children. That's the greatest news. So in his preaching to, to, to Cornelius, he is doing that euangelizo. And the other word is caruso. And that's usually translated preaching. And it literally is that I am the, I am the herald. I am the, the herald of the king. And I come in the name of king, the king. Thus saith the Lord. Now if I get up here and say, thus saith the Lord, the Bible teaches a 90% tithe. You should say, Pastor John, you need to go back and read the Bible, you goofball. We don't believe you. And you shouldn't believe me. But if I get up and say, 
thus saith the Lord as a caruso. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. You should say that's exactly what God says. And then there's another word, not specifically translated preaching or evangelizing. It's teaching, didasco. It means to instruct, to, to, to instruct. And so the preacher, Peter's doing all of these things. Instruct in what? In the, remember, we're talking preaching Jesus. There's a place in the Bible, oh, I don't know where it is. First Thessalonians. First uh, Thessalonians, maybe four. Paul, maybe Timothy, I can't remember. Paul, I think Paul tells Timothy. It's Timothy. Second Timothy chapter four, I think. Paul tells Timothy, don't become entangled in what? Do you remember? Everyday stuff. We're all political. We're everybody. We, we watch the politics. We're all political. We have views on social society and culture. All of us do. We all do. And at the house, we talk about them too. Here, in this instruction, in this preaching of Christ, it shows us that the preacher of Jesus has to be a man in his public capacity of one thing. What do you preach? I, I, generally, I preach the Bible. And specifically, I preach Christ and all that I can find about Christ in the Bible. That's what I do. Well, when are you going to do the really big stuff that we, we want to hear about? Like, what, what, what would be bigger than Jesus? Well, we want to know about taking over America for the Republican Party, or we want to know how to put down all those awful Democrats, or how to win the war for the lunatics in Ukraine over the lunatics in Russia, or all the, the, good, the, the, the big stuff. You're talking to the wrong guy. I have opinions on those matters, which mean nothing, because I know as much as you do, nothing. Peter doesn't come to these Gentiles saying, should we talk about Nero? You want to talk about Nero? What does he come to tell these people about? I've come to tell you about Jesus. So the preacher of Christ is a man of one thing. And as Protestants, we say this, I want the Bible and I want the total Bible and I don't want nonsense and I want plenty of Jesus. I'm going to say this. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Talk is cheap. We say one thing, but then you better give me what I really want. I, I want these other things. I want you to be a political preacher. I want you to be a family preacher. I want you to be this kind of preacher. But didn't you just tell me you want me to be a Jesus preacher? Yeah, but better do what I want or else I'm leaving or you're leaving. Peter says, I've come to preach Jesus to you. He's a man of one thing. And preaching is essentially, I give you words about Jesus that I believe, and I want you to believe them. What does the Bible say about the whole business of preaching in general? Preaching is what to the natural man? It's foolishness, the Bible says. It's silly. So words about Jesus, we're sinners, there's a holy God, He's going to judge sinners, and the judgment is death, hell. But he sent his son to die for our sins. And if we believe these words, we'll be forgiven. It will be considered as words. The natural man says what? That's, that's utterly ridiculous. That's ridiculous. The natural man outside of the church, but the natural man inside of the church. Have you ever wondered why you look at churches? I'm not picking on these. Well, I guess I am picking on these churches. Your best life now. 
There's no Jesus. There's no cross. There's no repentance. There's no holiness. It's not Jesus. It's you. How to feel good inside of you, how to be healthy, how to look good in a tux. It's you. That's not preaching Jesus. It's preaching you. And you need a shoehorn to get people in that place. Why? Because everybody's taking notes. Natural man in the church thinks the preaching of the cross is ridiculous. And they won't do it. Because they think if I do this and tell people sin, Savior, judgment day, I won't get anybody. And guess what? Maybe you won't. Maybe you won't. What's the purpose of Peter? Our brothers prayed it, and then I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to quit. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, our preaching is not to fill up churches, it's to fill up heaven, and the two are not the same thing. I've got to give you the truth. Someday I'm going to die. I don't know when I'm going to die. I never thought I would make 56. I'm 58. I thought I would die before 56 when my dad died. I don't know when I'm going to die, but I'm going to die. And I'm responsible to, to Jesus Christ for what I say about Jesus to you all. I'm going to give an account. Imagine if I had 4,000 people in here and I got people in and said, it's not really about death and Christ of atonement and holiness and believing and repenting. It's not about that. It's about how good you feel about yourself. You're a good person. And I got gobs of people. Did I prepare them to meet God? I'm not prepared to meet God. And what will Jesus say to me? Depart from me, I never knew you. I don't mean to, I don't want to leave this sermon on preaching Jesus on a sad note. I'm going to do a funeral on um, Friday. Most of you all know we're praying for Ashton Waller, who got in a horrible car wreck at 26 years old. And the funeral I'm going to do on Friday is of an 87-year-old man that wants to be married next to a six-month-old baby. The baby died, his baby boy died when the baby boy was six months So fast forward many years down the road. Dad wants to be buried next to his little boy. Beloved, six-month-old babies, 26-year-old girls, 87-year-old men. I have no idea. Life is a serious business. Sin is real. We're sinners. He doesn't say to these Gentiles, let's talk about politics. He says, I'm going to tell you what the Jews need. I'm going to tell you what Gentiles need. I'm going to tell you what black people need. I'm going to tell you what white people need, what poor people need, what rich people need. We need the forgiveness of our sins. And if we believe in Jesus Christ, when we die, whenever that may be, you're going to be with him. And and, and that's the calling. May God be pleased with the preaching of his word.